Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Michaela. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. Yes, welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I am really excited to have this conversation with you on how to do a mid-year financial reset because we're pretty much almost in mid-year right now. And so this is a great topic and discussion for us to have. So welcome to the podcast. Before we dive in, please tell everyone who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Michaela Alaka. I am an ex-financial analyst turned entrepreneur, creator, and author. I am the creator of Break Your Budget, an online personal finance platform for young professionals to learn how to budget better, earn more, and reach their six-figure savings goals. And I love financial resets and financial routines, so I am so excited (laughs) to talk about this today. Yes, that is so awesome. And congratulations on your book. You have to tell us more about that later. But so let's just dive in. Tell me why is it important for us to consider doing a mid-year reset? Sure. Well, so a mid-year reset is essentially where you go in and you reevaluate your finances from pretty much every angle. I think going through this type of process, I would say at a minimum, mid-year is so important because your life is so fluid and you know the goals or maybe intentions that you had back in January up by the time we reach May, June, July have absolutely shifted as your life has shifted. It's normal for your life to change and your finances need to change along with it. Mm -hmm. So going through this type of reset is your opportunity to essentially recalibrate your finances to better align with where you're currently at versus where you were at five or six months ago. Yeah. And that makes total sense. And I love that you use the word recalibrate because sometimes I think we set these goals at the beginning of the year, these goals and intentions, and then we hold ourselves to it throughout the whole year without sometimes pausing to say, okay, where do we need to recalibrate? Where do we need to adjust? Because like Mm -hmm. you said, life changes, right? Things happen. Mm -hmm. So I love that you highlighted that. And I love the idea of a mid-year reset. It's something that I definitely love to do. But for people who are, this idea is new to them, or maybe they've heard about it, but they've never actually attempted to implement it. What does a mid-year reset entail? So like, would it be resetting financial goals, adjusting budgets, adjusting habits? What's the best approach to take when you are creating your reset? Like, what would you do first? What would the process look like for someone who's just starting to do their own mid-year resets? 
Absolutely. So I like to systematize all of my various financial routines. And <laughs> yeah, well, it, it makes it easier because yeah. it can be so overwhelming to think and sit down and just be like, okay, what do I need to do here? So I yeah. systematize everything and I actually have a process that I follow specifically for a mid-year review. So there are three steps. First is updating your numbers. The second step is taking time to self-reflect. And then the third step would be resetting your goals, intentions, and overall plan. So getting into the details here, step number one with updating your numbers If you have a budget, this is where you would go in and just make sure everything that you're doing currently makes sense. So what I do and how I manage my finances is I use a spreadsheet and that helps me get a clear picture of what my income has been up until this point, how much I've spent on various different things, if I have made any contributions to my various savings or investment accounts, as well as any debt that I could be paying off and my net worth. So my net worth is something that I track monthly and I recommend that people do track monthly if they are paying attention to very specific financial goals. Otherwise, every couple of months, it's okay to check in on that and just make sure things are trending in the direction that you'd like. So that is step number one. Step number two would be self-reflection. And I think this is the most important part of a mid-year financial reset because when you think about the last five or six months, you really want to highlight and identify what has been working and what hasn't been working with your finances. How does your money make you feel? You know, am I looking at my numbers now and feeling a little bit uncomfortable with how much money I've spent on certain areas? Or am I looking at my numbers right now and feeling like I could have made a little bit more progress towards my goals? Or when I was looking at my savings goals, were any of those goals just like completely irrelevant to my life right now? Or were there any areas where maybe I need to factor in a new goal? Or did I get a new job and did my income change? There are so many different facets of your financial picture and taking 10 or 15 minutes to just look at everything and process how you feel about it, what's changing, what's working and what isn't working is where you're going to be able to start to change the way you behave and approach your money as well as give you insight into step number three, which is reevaluating your goals, resetting your financial intentions, and then updating your broader budget, spending plan, financial plan, whatever you'd like to call it. Reassessing your goals is essential because as we talked about earlier, you know, what you were doing back in January is likely very different than what you'd like to do now or where you're landing right now. And I even think in my own life over the last six months, like I've moved, my expenses have changed, my income has changed, what Mm -hmm. I want out of my life for the rest of this year has changed. And as a result, the way that I'm going to be spending my money has changed. The way Mm -hmm. I'm going to be contributing towards my different financial goals has changed. And that all needs to be reflected in my financial plan and what I'm doing and the actions that I'm taking between now and the end of the year. So if you have goals that are either irrelevant or goals that don't make sense for you anymore, or maybe new goals that you're working towards, 
Step number three is where you'd start to rethink about those and then factor those updates into your budget slash plan. And then also think about your intention for the end of the year. Like in January, I feel like a lot of times our intentions are like, I'm going to save so much money this year and everything's going to be perfect because it's that (laughs) beginning of the year energy, right? Where you're feeling super optimistic. We get to the middle of the year, it's summertime, the weather's warmer, the days are longer. I'm going to be going out a little bit more, spending more time being social. And as a result, probably spending a little bit more money than I was spending back in January when I was staying home a lot because it was cold. So those changes need to be factored in to my spending plan overall. So be realistic with how you're going to be spending your money. Make sure that's reflected in your budget as well. And piece it all together in a way that makes sense. And you may take need to take a month or two over the summertime to really find your cadence with new goals, new way of spending, new approach to your finances. But after a couple of weeks or maybe a month, you know, you'll find your rhythm there and everything will sort of work. Mm-hmm. So I, those are the steps. I love that. I love those. And if can you just go over the steps high level again for anyone listening who's like, okay, I need to make a note of this. Yes. So step number one would be to update all of your numbers between January and now. So you can do this automatically using just like a budgeting app, or if you use a budgeting spreadsheet or something, it would just be keeping track of you know, your high level expenses, money you've put towards savings and investments, debt payoff, that kind of stuff. Step number two is self-reflection. So take a really good look at where your money has gone, what has been working, what hasn't been working, how your finances make you feel, and maybe any financial goal progress or lack of progress that you've made, and also how you feel about that. And then step number three is resetting your goals, resetting your financial intentions, and updating your budget or financial plan. So that's identifying what goals am I working towards right now? Are any of those irrelevant? And maybe I can bump them off of my priority list. Do I have any new goals that I need to add in? How has my approach to my finances changed? What's my financial intention for you know the summer and going into the end of the year? And how can I factor that into my monthly budget? Thank you for highlighting the steps again for us. I think it's really important, you know, to do, especially that reflection aspect, because you give yourself a moment to just really pause and say, okay, how well has this year gone or not gone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what has attributed to that? Is this stuff I did? Was it stuff outside of my control? Was it mistakes I made? What, what are the lessons I can gain from this situation um, moving forward, given whatever the circumstances are? And how does just change what I'm aiming to accomplish by the end of the year, what I want to do, what I don't want to do, what I'm realistically able to do. That reflection aspect, I think, is so important. And also knowing your numbers, right? Uh, it's hard to plan mm-hmm. anything if you're not aware of your numbers. But I think for me, my that favorite step you covered is the reflection aspect because then it ties into... For me personally, anyway, what I do as part of my reset to make the rest of yeah. the year go according mm-hmm. to plan, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, taking time to self-reflect can help you mentally normalize change and shifts in your money. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's yeah. normal to feel like maybe not reaching a goal or changing how you spend your money or reassessing your budget or setting a different intention is a failure 
if it's different than what you had wanted to do at the beginning of the year, but it's so normal for your money to evolve as you evolve. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of people struggle with, you know, air quotes sticking to a budget is because they just keep everything so rigid and forget that it's supposed to change and it's normal for it to change. And you'll be more successful if you're open to letting it change. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. You know, like your budget is not about perfection. It's about you telling your money mm-hmm. to do the things you did it to do at specific times you did it to do them. And sometimes things happen, right? Emergencies, unplanned expenses, job losses, um, mm-hmm. inflation cost changes, to the yes. numbers in your budget, right? So I always tell people it's important to give yourself that grace when it comes to just planning your finances, because there are certain things within your control, like you can work on your self-discipline, you can work on your, you know, your financial literacy, there are all these things you can work on, but there's also things that maybe be, be beyond your control, right? And so you have to give yourself the grace. And when you give yourself that grace, you're able to adjust accordingly and a little bit less stressfully. Absolutely. <laughs> avoid calling yourself or feeling like you have failed. And that kind of leads me to my next question. So one of the things that you specialize in is helping people reach their six-figure savings goals. So what advice would you give someone who is feeling overwhelmed or discouraged because they've not made as much progress to their savings or even their debt payoff or their investment goals or their career goals midway through the year now? Um, they're discouraged, they're overwhelmed, they're not happy. And it's hard for them to listen to us talk about, oh, here are the steps you need to take when to them things are not going well. So what advice can you give someone to kind of get out of that funk and continue working towards those savings or debt payoff or whatever goals they have for themselves? Absolutely. So I'm a planner and I'm a visual person. And in any time in the past where I've felt super, super overwhelmed or really just like bad about my lack of financial progress, or I would say more like if I've been overspending or spending more money than I wanted to, that's an overwhelming feeling. What Mm -hmm. I like to do is lay everything out and revisit my monthly budget from a very high level bird's eye view. So the tool that I use gives me an annual picture of my spending overall on a monthly basis, but it also like all calculates up on a yearly basis. And I'll use my own personal example here for how I addressed this because it actually recently happened in my life where I was feeling like very financially anxious. Mm-hmm. So in back in March, I moved from a two-bedroom apartment where I had a roommate into a one-bedroom apartment where I'm living alone. And you know, when you live by yourself, your expenses are naturally higher, cost more in rent, you are paying for everything on your own. I'm furnishing the apartment still. And so it was just a huge, relatively unexpected, I'd say it was a little bit unplanned cash outflow for me. That was very uncomfortable. I also went on two ski trips in March, which skiing is an expensive <laughs> hobby. I had to I had two flights. Like it was just very, it was a very expensive month for me. And when I was going through like my monthly financial review, I basically was looking at how much money I spent that month. And I'm like, oh my God, I am stressed over this. Like it just boiled up a lot of anxiety in me that I felt I had gotten past. And so when I'm in a situation like that, 
I have to take action and I recommend that you take action as well. So what I did was I looked at my broader plan first and foremost, which if you're feeling overwhelmed with your finances and you don't have like any sort of budget or financial plan, that would be my very, very first recommendation to at least begin to address because having a plan for your money, yes, monthly, like a monthly budget, but almost like a recurring monthly budget that you can build into an annual plan will give you so much peace of mind knowing that you have action steps for where your money is going to be going. And one month isn't going to derail your entire year. I always say a 90% is still an A. So it's okay if you have a month or two or a situation here or there where things don't go according to plan. But it's most important to take action from there. So I closed off my March and I you know, took it for what it was, which would be my first tip is accept the situation for what it is. You can't really change anything and dwelling in it isn't going to fix it. And then I looked ahead to April, May, and June. And I was like, okay, here's how my expenses are changing. Here are the things that I know I'm going to need to spend money on. And I'm realistically building those into my spending plan. How is this going to affect me reaching my financial goals by the end of the year? What adjustments do I need to make to this overall system here? And once I looked at everything, I realized like, okay, I had this one month, but or this one setback, we'll call it, but everything else is still the way it was. Like everything else is already cooking for me. Things are still moving along. Like I have this plan in place and maybe I can make a few adjustments here or there, but it's already set. And so I guess my point here is that if you're feeling really overwhelmed or you have this setback, or maybe you have a month where you have to spend a lot of money because you're moving, or you know you just got married and now you're stressed by how much money you have to pay off for your wedding, or you went on a big trip, or you had an accident, or you had to drain your emergency fund. These things happen and it's inevitable. And so putting together a plan before those things happen is key so that you have the peace of mind. But if you don't have, if you're not in that situation where the thing already happened and you don't have a financial plan or any sort of budget, my best tip is to sit down and create one and process where your money needs to go on a regular basis because knowing how you're going to use your money, how you're going to approach your money, how much money you're going to put towards your goals puts you in the driver's seat of your financial life. And I think that a lot of overwhelm stems from a lack of control or feeling like you don't have control over the situation when in reality you do. You just need to make the choice to take control, lay everything out and put together some sort of action plan to start moving the needle forward again. Because if you sit in the discomfort for a couple of months and sort of resign to like, you know, this is just my life now, like things are hard for me financially, you'll never really be able to get out of it. And I think that will cause a lot more harm than good. Yeah, yeah. And it's really important, right, that we think about it that way, because if we're just focusing on 
everything that's not working out right, it's difficult to be able to make any sort of progress. So you were just talking about someone who is feeling overwhelmed or discouraged or not meeting their goals. You use your situation as an example of stuff that you had going on earlier in the year. But there are people out there who the reason why they're not meeting their goals is beyond their control right? For example, they've had setbacks, maybe a loss of a loved one or job losses back to back or medical expenses. How would you encourage that person to, I guess, plan and keep moving forward? Because in this instance, it's not like they can say, well, I'm, we can say, oh, you should have had emergency savings or you should have emergency savings in place. That's one thing, but there's a lot of emotional turmoil that comes along with that, right? Especially Mm -hmm. when you're doing everything right. You're not slipping up. You're not doing the things that everybody else is doing, but then all these Mm -hmm. things are happening. What advice or encouragement would you give that person in that slightly different scenario? Absolutely. So my advice to someone who maybe, you know, you're doing all the right things and you're just not seeing the progress you want to see, or maybe you're looking and seeing other people do, you know, air quote, better than you. My advice would be to just, first of all, stay in your own lane. Don't look at what other people are doing. Don't look at, you know, maybe your coworker or your friend who just bought a house or is doing all of these things that you want to do. Don't look at that. Just stay in your own lane and look ahead and keep focusing on the progress that you need to make. My other tip would be to just stay consistent and keep going. Feeling discouraged or hitting a financial setback or feeling like everything you do is going to nothing is, you know, it happens, right? But if you decide that in that scenario that you're done and you're going to give up, you're not ever going to get out of it, you have to be consistent and keep the promise to yourself and understand that every person is going to go through a phase of life where things aren't working for them or their effort feels lost. And again, that's normal. I think collectively we need to normalize financial stress and financial anxiety, but in a positive way, meaning you can come out of it. You just have to keep going, which is something I think most people struggle with is they hit this wall, right? With their finances and they're like, well, I'm destined to struggle. Like I'm destined for this to be my reality. Maybe they grew up in a situation where money was tight or they live in a high cost of living area and they just can't make ends meet. They decide that this is their destiny. My advice would be to keep going. Also start to get creative, maybe reevaluate what you're doing, which is why a mid-year reset is really great. If something's not working or you're not seeing the progress that you want to see, Identify the catalyst of that. So maybe, you know, you've gone through a situation where your life got a little bit challenging and it's been really hard emotionally to come out of it. Again, I'll go back to my own personal examples here, like how I approach things myself is when I'm struggling emotionally, the thing that gets me out of it is a removing myself from the situation or like mentally looking at it with a bird's eye view. And then taking action from there, because I think action ultimately helps change your emotion and the way that you look at things, because it's the only thing you can really do to get out of the headspace is to change it in your reality. So let's say you're in a situation where you live in an expensive city, your landlord raised your rent, something in your personal life just happened, and you're already doing everything right. You already have a budget and you just can't break even. You know. 
my answer there would be, what's the catalyst? My income's not high enough. Okay. So how can you get creative and increase your income? How can you solve this problem, right? Maybe it means picking up a part-time job two days a week. Maybe it means learning a new skill and starting a side hustle. Maybe it means an hour or two, three days a week, you drive for Uber or walk somebody's jog, or just pick up the little bit of extra cash to bring everything together. It's okay to feel a little bit uncomfortable doing that, but ultimately you have to make a change and you have to decide to make a change to pull yourself out of the situation. You can only cut your expenses so low, right? So if increasing your income is the solution, don't shy away from doing that. I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years increasing my income, getting out of my comfort zone. And I was in a situation as well where things just weren't working for me and I was struggling financially and it just wasn't, nothing was connecting. I was unhappy in my life. I was unhappy at work. You know, we were going through the pandemic and I put myself out of my comfort zone, put myself out there online and it's paid so many dividends for me over the course of a couple of years. And so Anytime somebody is struggling with income or, and I don't want to make it sound so easy because I understand that it's not, but if you're struggling financially, get creative, think out of the box and take action towards changing the situation and acknowledge that you have more control over it than you actually think you do. Um, You are in control of your financial life. It's just making the choice that you're not going to tolerate and you're not going to deal with, you know, all of the bad things that come your way. You know, it's choosing to move in a different direction. It's choosing to take action and recognizing that you have that choice and you're able to do it. And it takes time. I think it's like a mental hurdle, but as you do it, And as you take action and make the changes, like you'll realize that you do actually have so much more control. Hey, everyone. Before we continue with this podcast episode, I'd love for you to check out the best-selling Clever Girl Finance book series. There are three books in the series, and the first book is Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth. The second book is Grow Your Money, Learn How Investing Works. And the third book is called The Side Hustle Guide, build a successful side hustle and increase your income. You can also check out my fourth book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And this book highlights my personal story to building a business of impact and challenges you as the reader to dig deep into laying out what you truly want to accomplish for yourself. I wrote each of these books to empower women just like you to achieve your goals and get to the point where you're living the life you desire on your own terms. If you love these books, be sure to tell your best girlfriends and they also make the perfect gift. These books are available everywhere books are sold and you can purchase them as ebooks, audiobooks, and also physical books. And you can also ask your local library to order them as well. Thank you so much and let's get back to the episode. That's great advice. I think it's really important to, it also ties into mindset, right? You've, you mm-hmm. may have gone through different challenging situations in your life or currently navigating a challenging situation, whatever it might be. Like you said, you have control in terms of being able to take action. You may not have all the money coming in, but you can decide what can I do now to try to make this differently? Can I create a budget? Yeah. Can I read a financial book? Can I look for a part-time job? Can I downsize and mm-hmm. sell stuff in my kitchen, my garage to bring in some quick cash to keep up with my bills, right? Yeah. You don't want to like sit and stew in the overwhelm 
even though sometimes it's you can't help that because especially if you're dealing yeah. with a very emotional situation but mm-hmm. then after a while you you have to decide okay I need to move I need to exactly make change. and it might yeah. be difficult like you said not trying to minimize it anyway but I asked that question because I just wanted to acknowledge that I, a lot of people who have who listen to the podcast have reached out talking about you know the economy is challenging people are still haven't recovered business-wise from and career-wise from the pandemic. So just highlighting that and going back to what I said about mindset, setting the intention that you're going to do things differently. You're going to figure out how to make yeah. it work. And I would just yeah. add, like, if you find yourself super struggling, don't feel like you have to go at this alone. Uh, there's really awesome nonprofit financial support out there, like Operation Hope and the National Foundation for Credit Counseling that offer financial counseling at no cost that will just sit with you and help you you know, Absolutely. come up with something to support you and make you feel good from a counseling perspective. So yeah. I just want to yeah. share, share. And that. I think, you know, reaching out to your community or finding community that you can lean on as you are making these changes or on the journey of changing your situation is key. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already part of a financial community. So use it, leverage it, reach out to other people who are maybe engaging on your Instagram post or join a Facebook group or find a person in your life who you can talk to about these things because financial stress and anxiety can become all consuming. And it's a very easy thing to get lost in and to sit in. And it's really easy for me to sit here and say, take action. But, you know, I've been there. I struggle with anxiety myself. Financial anxiety is one aspect of that. And I understand how difficult it is to (laughs) get out of your own head. Like, it's so hard to get out of your own head. And it really boils down to the choice. And sometimes, you know, you can mentally make that choice, but physically changing things and taking action on the choice is a whole other ball game. So having people you can talk to and, you know, unwind with and hear their perspective or hear their story as well is very, very helpful and motivating. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you said earlier that I really love is that you said that it's important to normalize that financial stress and financial anxiety are part of the financial journey. A lot mm-hmm. of times we hear people talking about all the positive things about finance when you yeah. do steps, right? But it's almost like if you're feeling financial stress, you're feeling financial anxiety, you are doing something wrong and you're not good with your finances. You're not good with money. And that's so, so not true. And leading into my next question, and this is something that I also struggle with personally, right? Where I do feel financial anxiety, especially when I'm spending a lot of money. And it's a lot of times mm-hmm. it's me getting stuck in my own head. <laughs> and I've said this on the yeah. podcast before where, you know, I have these goals, I'm saving, I have money in the bank, everything is, is kind of set, but then I'm spending money and I, I'm I'm acting like it's the end of the world because I feel I'm associating guilt to it because yeah. in a way it's, I think it's partial conditioning, partial being in the finance space, like, oh, wow, there is a finance person spending money. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like spending money is a bad thing, which it is not. And I know this, and it's just something that I'm constantly working through. But how do you balance, right, between enjoying present now, living your life now, your best life now, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. saving for the future, right, when you're doing your reset and you're working through your financial goals? How do you create that balance of, okay, I'm going to live a good life now, but I'm also going to live a good life in the future, and I want to do these things without feeling guilt, without feeling shame, without feeling embarrassed, without Mm -hmm. feeling anxiety? How do you work through that? Because I think this is something really important to discuss because I navigate that all the time. 
Absolutely. And I'm the same way. I think being in the finance space, maybe we're just so close to the realities of what it takes to reach financial goals that like we just get into our heads. But I'm the same way when it comes with spending money. And I spent a lot of time working on my relationship with spending. So I'll talk about that because it sort of, you know, aligns with my answer here. But balancing enjoying today and the future, I think really boils down to self-care and like financial self-care. And that comes down to going through this reset, right? But also I always recommend doing like a weekly money check-in as well to see if, you know, maybe the budget you've created and the goals that you've set are realistic as you go through your life on a more frequent cadence. So again, it's really easy to sit down in June or July and say, I'm going to save $5,000 for the rest of the year by doing A, B, and C with reducing my spending, increasing my income, automating my savings transfers. I'm going to make it happen. And then let's say, you know, 4th of July weekend comes around and you get invited on a last minute trip and all of a sudden that plan goes out the window. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important to be coming back and reevaluating your finances every single week, maybe not in as much detail, but keeping the pulse check on where your money is going so that you can adjust and be agile with your plans over time and never really let things spiral out of control. So that would be my first tip. My second tip is bringing awareness to how you're using your money on a more frequent basis. So let's say, you know, you have these aggressive financial goals and you realize that maybe your budget isn't super realistic for the way that you are actually going to be spending your money or the way that you want to be spending your money. Mm -hmm. So there's clearly something that's off kilter there, right? Like you're putting too much money towards your financial goals to be able to prioritize how you want to live today. You have to find a happy medium and you can do that by understanding, okay, how much money in a perfect world would I be able to spend on non-essential expenses? So living your life, And how much money in a perfect world would I be able to put towards my various financial goals? And what's the gap there? And you can choose to address that gap one of two ways. You can adjust your financial goals or adjust your non-essential spending, or you can look for ways to fill that gap by increasing your income, which is what I always recommend. Again, that's not an immediate solution, but that is a longer term solution that can make a huge difference in your broader financial well-being. And then my third tip, and this is especially targeted towards people who either struggle with financial anxiety or struggle with overspending. And that is, you know, leads to them not being able to find the balance between today and the future is implementing some spending guidelines on the areas of your spending where you struggle the most. So a spending guideline is a boundary, really. It's not a hard rule. It's not a restriction. It's just a boundary around parts of your budget or areas where you spend that you tend to overdo it. So I'll share some examples of guidelines that I've implemented into my spending that have actually really, really helped me this year balance my goals and my spending in a way where I feel like I can do all of the things that I want, but I'm not overdoing it and pulling money from where I would want to be putting it towards financial goals. So my first example is 
going out to eat. So one of the things that I really love to do with my friends is go out to eat and go out for like a nice dinner or go out for lunch or whatever on the weekends. And I found that last year when I was going through my end of year, like financial review, I had spent so much money on not only just going out to eat multiple times during the weekend, but like takeout meals here or there just due to lack of planning. And so this year going into it, I told myself and I set the guideline, my goal is going to be to go out for one meal per weekend. And the rest of the time, I'm going to do my best to cook at home. And that has helped me so much with just bringing awareness to making the decision to go out to eat or making the decision to order takeout because I've set the goal. Like I'm only going to go out once per weekend. When I go out for that meal, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to order whatever I want. I'm going to have a drink, two drinks, an app, dessert, whatever, but I'm going to try to keep it to one per weekend. And well, you know, every weekend is going to be a little bit different. Sometimes I'm doing dinner on Saturday and then Sunday I'm going out to lunch or something. Setting the goal of one or setting the guideline of one Mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier for me to pick and choose the plans that align the best with me. And I think that that is the ultimate goal of creating a spending guideline. Another one for me was coffee. So I found that on my morning walks, I would always be walking past a Starbucks and I'm like, I want to go in and get a coffee. I woke up early this morning. Like it turned into a habit, right? And coffee is not going to make or break your financial life by any means, but that was money that I could be using on other things that add actual value to my life. For example, like maybe going out to dinner a second time during the week or something. Like I don't need to be spending $6 every day on Starbucks. And so I set the guideline of, I can still get coffee, but we're going to aim to do it only on the weekends or like a Friday, Saturday Um, as opposed to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I don't need to do that. And so as a result, what that's done is I'm, I'm still able to have coffee and go out for coffee and do that. But I enjoy it a little bit more because I treat it as an experience. I treat it as a treat. I don't treat it as my daily habit. And I think that's made a big difference with just approaching the areas of my spending that I struggle with the most. And so I'd encourage you if you have trouble areas, maybe it's shopping or, you know, Amazon or makeup or whatever it is in your life, implement a guideline. It doesn't need to be a hard and fast dollar amount, but implement the guideline because when you have the guideline in place that's aligned with like how you want to behave and you keep it in mind, your behavior will fall into place a little bit more gradually over time. And it won't feel as harsh as mm. a really strict $100 a month restaurant budget, if yeah, that makes I, sense. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I implement that in, in certain ways. Like there are areas that I enjoy spending money because they have value. They give, the, they are of value to me. And there are areas where I don't see the value in spending money there because- <laughs> I don't yeah. enjoy it. I don't have the time or I can do it myself. Right. So for example, I get my hair done every two weeks, unfailing. Mm-hmm. That's somewhere that, you know, I enjoy spending money there because I can never, my hair is short. It has to get cut every two weeks and I can never get it done. I could never cut my hair, yep. my hair just to cut it. So that's somewhere that I always spend money uh, consistently. Right. But then areas where I don't spend money rarely is getting my nails done. I never, ever get my nails mm-hmm. done maybe like once or twice a year. Right. And that's because I'm like, I can do it myself. And I also don't want to go sit in 
exactly in the, in the nail salon and I don't want to do small talk <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't say Wendy. I rarely buy makeup. I like if it's I know the exact makeup I use, the lipstick, the the eyeshadow, whatever, and I keep that until it expires or until I'm out, and then I buy a new one. So there's different areas where I know I I spend, and I always use the areas that I don't spend as my grace for the areas I do spend, and try not to let myself feel guilty, right? Sometimes, you know, external factors, people who are viewing you externally can make you feel guilty without even knowing your situation. Oh, wow. You get a coffee yes. today. Oh, wow. You get yes. your hair every two weeks. Well, oh, wow. You have a new designer handbag. Aren't you in finance? <laughs> but so it's really. I, yes. <laughs> it's so fascinating to me how people project their own, the way that they spend and approach their money on other people. And oftentimes it comes from people who are very unaware of how they're using their money in the first place. I think it's so important. You have to remember like everybody, the way that everybody chooses to use their money is going to be a little bit different. So like, for example, you and I are aligned. Like I hate getting my nails done, but I get my hair done once every six months, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but the things that I choose to spend my money on are going to be so different from the things that you choose to spend your money on. And that's okay. And I think throughout your twenties and even into your early thirties, it's really easy to be influenced by the people around you and, you know, maybe spend your money on your friends' hobbies or on things that you get peer pressured into doing. And part of having a regular money review and going through this mid-year reset, but, you know, implementing financial self-care, financial routines into your life consistently is you can draw awareness to those things. Like, let's say I always use the example of brunch because I hate going to brunch. I hate going to brunch. And (laughs) that's like a very normal thing for people to do on a Sunday or a Saturday is go to like bottomless brunch, but I don't eat eggs. I feel like every time I go to brunch, there's nothing for me to eat. I don't like to do bottomless drinks and stuff. And when you go to brunch, it ends up being like 60, $70. And I'm like, I just, this, if I'm going to spend 70 bucks, like I want it to be on a nice dinner with a glass of wine, not bottomless mimosas. And and, you don't eat. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just not for me. So I found throughout this, I happened, I think a lot more in my earlier twenties where, you know, like Saturday was brunch day and like, we would go do that. And every time I didn't have a good time. And I'm like, why am I spending my money on these things? Just because my friends want me to like, we could literally do anything else, anything else. And get the same, you know, result here, which the result was just to hang out. Your brunch was just the vehicle for us to do that. So, you know, think about instances where maybe you're feeling peer pressured to do something because your friends want you to go like, you know, come take a soul cycle class with me, come go to Pilates with me. And a class like that is 30, $40. Like if you don't want to say no, learn how to say no and get comfortable saying no and replace the activity with something that either both of you want to do or that's you know free where you can get the same result like what's the goal of you doing these things is it to spend time with friends probably so you can mimic that or recreate that in so many different ways that don't require you to spend money that you don't want to spend yeah yeah i i totally agree with you and i was just going to add 
one thing that helps me personally find balance between living now and planning for the future is that within my own financial planning, um, I have my, the things I have to do, like I'm going to save for retirement, I'm going to save for my kids, I'm going to save for these goals that we have. And that mm-hmm. is going to come out of every time I, I get paid, you know, it's going to get put into those accounts. And then whatever is left over is what I budget and plan and get my hair done and do whatever. Yeah. But I am getting to a point now where, you know, we're getting closer to summer and I'm going to be spending a lot of money. I'm going to be paying for summer camp. I'm going to be paying for vacation mm-hmm. I'm going to be paying for kids activities. And it's going to be a lot of money at once. And I've already started feeling the, <laughs> the yeah. advanced guilt. <laughs> And I'm reminding myself, well, the vacations is because you're creating experiences. You're going to see loved ones. These are things, you know, you're going to do with your family. The kids don't have to go to summer camp, but they love the experience of being mm-hmm. there, the different activities they're going to do. So I'm trying to remind myself, plus you've been putting the money aside for all these different things, get your life, Bola. But it's just, yeah. you know, that conditioning. <laughs> Absolutely. Spending yeah. is bad. Don't spend too much, you know, and that's just part of how I was raised. And, and I, yeah. I, I own that um, because I, I come from a background of, of watching my, my family struggle. Both of my parents come from poverty. So it's like, it's ingrained, right? It's just doing what you need to do and knowing that you have your checks and balances in place. Did you put your money in retirement savings? Did you put the money in emergency? Did you put the money in the goal? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. What are you feeling guilty for? Yeah. <laughs> I think that highlights though, like such an important lesson that no matter, because so many people think like when I reach the hundred K saved, I'll, I'll be happy when I no. reach this X number, like I'll feel better. And it just goes to show that no matter how successful you become, it's an everlasting journey, right? Like it requires continuous yeah. work because I can relate to you. And like, you know, I have my money going where it needs to go. You know, I'm successful in my business. Things are going well. I don't, I shouldn't be stressed because I have the money to pay my bills. Like I can do what I need to do, but there's no number in the bank that's going to make you automatically feel good or better, or that you have the success that you're seeking on this journey. Like it's so important to remember that you have to be continuously doing the work because there's the magic number doesn't exist. And so if you're not taking the time, the intentional time to really acknowledge like, okay, I'm feeling this stress and I have everything working and I'm I have the money saved for these specific things. And like, it's okay. And acknowledging that, you know, there's, it's always going to be a moving target. And I think that's a part of the balance, right? Is understanding that there's no magic number. You have to do the work. And it's not like one day the light switch is going to click on. And it's like, everything feels good to me today, now and forever. Like it just requires constantly checking in and, Yeah. I feel the same as you do where, you know, you feel almost like a pre-stress to the stress (laughs) for spending the money that you literally planned to spend. Exactly. (laughs) Like, and it's just like, why do we feel this way? But I think it's just, it highlights the need for the constant, the constant work, the constant self-reflection. And that's why I say you should be doing it every week get in the habit of doing it every week, because when you're feeling this stress, at least you can acknowledge it and address it instead of letting it like fester inside of you. And then, you know, ultimately you make a poor decision or a misaligned decision and not experience life, which is the whole reason we make money in the first place is to live and experience life and like have a fun summer, like three months of the year, 
is when everybody, I feel like collectively is doing things and excited to do things. And why not take advantage of that? Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? We are in a fortunate position to be in the place where we can feel like where we, and it's, I'm trying to think of how best to word this, but we are lucky to be in that position where our anxiety is about spending versus Mm -hmm. something else. Cause there are so many like real, realer issues. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) um, that's, you know, speaking, that's me speaking from a place of of privilege, to be honest, but that's just how I navigate, you know, just dealing with spending guilt, spending anxiety, feeling guilty about, you know, when you have money, feeling guilty about when you do nice things for yourself Mm -hmm. or other people, the way we feel about finances just varies at so many different levels, whether you're paying off debt, whether you're saving, whether you're trying to invest, whether you have savings, whether you just got your dream job, you're trying to, you know, find that dream job and get that income. There's, there is an emotion tied to every single aspect of your financial journey. And Mm -hmm. it's how best do you work through it and navigate through it and deal with it. And there is no, like, I've gone to the finish line, no more emotion, no more, (laughs) you know, like it just never happens. Uh, So I just wanted to talk about that. One of the things I heard you mention earlier on, you talked about spreadsheets, you talked about a tool you use when you're doing your mid-year reset. Sorry, just to go back a little bit, the things we've talked about, you know, creating balance between living now and planning for the future. Those are things that you can sit and going back to Michaela's point of reflecting, you can sit and reflect on that as you go into the rest of the year. But jumping forward again, mm-hmm. <laughs> the tools, you talked about spreadsheets, you talked about tools you use. Can you share specific tools that work for you or could be helpful to other people or the clients that you support when they're working through their mid-year resets? What are your favorites? Absolutely. So I personally am a spreadsheet person and the tool that I use is called the personal finance dashboard. I've used it for coming up on four years and it's available on my website, breakyourbudget.com slash shop, or, you know, on my Instagram. And essentially it's a tool that I had built originally for myself because I could never find a budgeting app that gave me what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of amazing budgeting apps that exist now, but the way that my brain works, I need to use a spreadsheet. And so I literally built (laughs) this spreadsheet to like scratch the itch in my head that I needed, which was having a full year plan, a place for me to track my income and expenses, a place for me to set my various financial goals, a place for me to track my net worth and like feel like I have control. I think there's a sense of control that comes from being able to go into a spreadsheet and update it yourself. And that you can't do that with a budgeting app. So, you know, I created this spreadsheet for myself. And after sharing my routines and what I was doing on my Instagram, you know, there was a desire by people who follow me to also have it. So it's available on my website. You know, you can join my own community on Facebook when you purchase it. And basically, so almost a thousand people in the Facebook group now who talk to each other, share tips for how they, you know, make their own budgets and use the spreadsheet themselves, which I think is really helpful for finding people in similar situations. But When it really boils down to the tool, there are a couple of key things in there that have helped me so much. First is the annual spending plan. So I've designed it in a way where it's a zero-based three-bucket budget. So you have to allocate out all of your income and you have to divvy things up into the three buckets, essential expenses, which are like what you need to live, 
financial goals. So there's a section for you to enter savings goals, investment goals, and debt payoff goals, all separate. And then also your non-essential expenses. And it gives you like your percentage breakdown of what you're putting towards either thing. And having a tool like that where I can see how I'm allocating my money has been really helpful for making, you know, continuous improvements over time. The other area of it that I really like is I've built in like a separate tab for monthly reflections. So we've spent a lot of time talking about mid-year resets, but something that I do monthly is just like a full monthly reset on my finances. And I've included areas where I can answer those self-reflection prompts and go back throughout the year and look at how my finances have changed and how my perspective has changed and you know what changes I've implemented into my plans and what actions I've actually taken for my self-reflection, which I think is key. And then, you know, there's a couple of different tabs that provide insights into how I've spent my money. But the one that I really like is there's a section where it gives you a year-to-date expense sum and like a percentage of your income that you spent on certain things. And this is what helped me the most at the end of last year when I looked at like my full year numbers of my various expenses. And I was like, oh my God, I've spent so much money on shopping and so much money on restaurants and so much money on all of these things. Like, how do I want to address that going into this next year? And it made such a difference in creating my spending guidelines and really thinking about, okay, like that number made me uncomfortable and what am I going to do to fix it? And I think if you don't have a tool that gives you that information, it can be really hard to make tangible changes to what you're doing because you don't have the full awareness of the actual numbers that are impacting your broader financial system, plan, process, journey over the course of time. So that's the tool that I use and I will continue to use it. I share it on like how I use it on my Instagram stories, on my TikTok, on my Instagram feed, all the things. Um, But it's been so, 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 so incredibly helpful. And it's also been so fun to see there's like thousands of people now who use it. And I get so many DMs about how it's helped people so much. So, you know, that I think makes all of the work that I do really meaningful. But yeah, that's the tool I use. It's called the Personal Finance Dashboard. That's awesome. I will definitely be sure to put that in the show notes for anybody who's interested in checking it out from your website. This has been so great, Michaela. Thank you so much for coming on here to share, you know, tips for us to do our mid-year reset. Before I let you go, you have to tell me what is your Clever Girl superpower? I think my Clever Girl superpower is my consistency. And The reason I say that is because I feel like I found so much success in my life through showing up in the times where I don't want to, or in the times when I feel like nobody is listening. So from a financial perspective, it's showing up every week to keep the regular pulse check on my finances. But I think from like a career perspective and now a business perspective, I've been able to forge my own life via, you know, leaving my corporate job, escaping the rat race, whatever you want to call it, to building a business where I get to do what I want every day and make more money doing it versus when I worked for somebody else. And I think the reason I've been able to do that is through showing up and being consistent when I don't want to, or when I feel like nobody can hear me or in the times where it's really hard and it feels like I'm not making any progress. And usually on the other side of those really challenging feelings is the success. So consistency is, I think, my biggest superpower and something that I hold really dear, keeping the promise to myself that, you know, when things are hard, we're going to keep going. 
I love that. I love that. Um, and I have to say that has to be one of mine as well, because in order to accomplish anything that I have been able to, I've had to stay consistent and I haven't always mm-hmm. wanted to be consistent. <laughs> but yeah. when I think back at, at one of the underlying factors to why certain things have worked out, it all boils down to consistency. It's it's not me or my yeah. super mindset or my super yeah. self-discipline or my super other superpowers, <laughs> which I'm being a little sarcastic about. It's really just doing doing the work and doing the work and doing the work and doing the work and doing the work. So I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, tell people how they can keep in touch with you. You mentioned your book at the beginning. Tell us about your book. Yes. I'll put a link to your financial dashboard in the show notes. So please tell us more about what you have going on and how people can find you as well. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, just at Break Your Budget. My handle is the same across all social media. Um, I have a website, breakyourbudget.com, where I have a bunch of different free downloads, like investing downloads, high yield savings downloads, and then a handful of different paid templates and courses. The personal finance dashboard, like I said, is my financial planning template. So I definitely would recommend checking that out if you are in the need of a financial tool. I do also have a book that is coming out on June 20th. It's called Own Your Money, Practical Strategies to Budget Better, Earn More, and Reach Your Six-Figure Savings Goals, where I share my story um, navigating you know, life after college as a young adult and really finding my way, managing my money, along with lots and lots and lots of tactical tips and implementable steps. It's a very, very tactical book. So if you're looking for you know, concrete, here's what you need to do, You'll get it in the book. Um, it comes out June 20th. So I don't know when this is going up, but if you want to pre-order it, you can pre-order it off of Amazon. All of the links also are on my website. And if it's after June 20th, when you're listening to this, you should definitely go buy it. And yeah, I also have a podcast. It's called Don't Depend on Daddy, where I talk to <laughs> you know different, different people in their career, navigating different career paths, learning about different career paths, as well as entrepreneurship, business, personal finance, all the things. So it's really like my, my personal public journal. Um, I love that. Don't depend on daddy. Um, (laughs) I used to have in college, I had a neighbor on, on housing campus and she drove a lime green Mercedes convertible and around the license plate, it said, daddy bought it. Guess who got it? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So that reminded me of her and we did not get along at all. Yeah, really, it's, it's a play on words. Walls. Keep quiet. It's a play on words. Don't <laughs> depend on anyone is yes. really, really it. But it just sounds better when you say yes. don't depend on daddy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.